What your bank doesn't tell you. A podcast by you mushroom. Welcome everybody. Today actually we have a slightly different way of doing our podcast. We have a guest. It's Florian Rümelein and Florian actually just told me a very interesting story <laughs> about his last name, what is actually a Swiss name, even True. though you emerged to Germany of a Because of a very interesting reason, <laughs> a funny reason. <laughs> um, today, I'm very glad to have Florian here at the table. We are talking about quality banking instead of banks. So we both realized, or I dare to say that we both realized, that in the banking industry, about 90% of the people is left out when it comes to investing. And I'm very curious to hear how you solve the problem or what's your vision about how to solve the problem but before we go into that topic I'm very curious to hear more about you about your background and where you're coming from we sure. already know you come from Germany originally yeah. from Switzerland <laughs> but yeah yeah thank you for having yours. me thank you for having me um, yeah so basically quickly about myself so my name is Florian Rümelein as already mentioned um, I'm the CEO and one of the co-founders of Everon so Everon is a digital wealth manager. So maybe quickly about my background. As you said, I was born in Germany. I moved to Switzerland when I was 12 years old. Um, I went to high school here. I studied banking and finance at the University of Zurich. And um, I was always in touch with finances as my dad is a private banker. So he was working for a private bank and now his multifamily office. So it was also always a topic that interested me a lot. But also my mom. My mom is a dermatologist. So I always admired her profession because she was helping others uh, with their health. And I kind of really enjoyed both topics. And uh, when I started, you know, after high school, looking out what to do, what to study, um, I got in touch with my professor at the University of Zurich, Thorsten Hens, and he really inspired me about the whole um, financial industry. Um, so I studied banking and finance with a focus on behavioral finance. And um, basically, while studying, I was working in the private banking industry. I was working for a single and a multifamily office. And this was also kind of where the whole idea of Everon, you know, just emerged because we saw that there is a, you know, big majority of the population is kind of underserviced when it comes um, to financial services. And I saw that a lot of, you know, normal people approached that multifamily office and they wanted to become clients. They were interested in independent advice and kind of independent of banks um, helping them with their financial wealth. And um, yeah, this target group, as we'll talk later on, is not really interesting to, you know, traditional uh, private banking providers. So I, you know, I, we decided on, you know, why can't we offer something decent to them? So basically in one sentence, why can't normal people invest like the wealthiest ones in this world? And yeah, this is how, how it all started. Mm, we completely share this, this judgment about how banking works. Usually people with, with 10 million or more, they are kind of, we call it overbanked because all the banks, they are fighting for these clients. But if you have less money, but still investing is a topic, then you're kind of left alone. And if you go back into the banking industry, usually banks, they have two ways of managing your money. So one way is the discretionary mandates, basically where the bank takes the money and manages for you. And then the other alternative is the, the advisory mandates. And with the advisory mandates, basically you as an investor, you as a client, you, you still have the saying 
in what you want to invest or in what you don't want to invest. And as you already know, you mushroom is the answer or the digital answer to, 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 traditional, to the traditional advisory business. And to me, it sounds that you are kind of the alternative for the, the digital or the modern answer for discretionary management. Yes, that, that's true. So basically quickly about, you know, what a family office or what a private bank normally is doing. So in general, they try to service wealthy individuals or families holistically. So they try to help them with, you know, investing money, um, inheriting money, setting up a business, financing and so on. So various topics. And normally kind of wealthy individuals get independent advice. So they kind of build up their own office, their own family office that just has the purpose of helping them um, with their financial situation. They are employed. So they are aligned with the interests of the people that own the money, that give the money. And therefore kind of, you know, we share those values. So as our background is um, in the you know, private banking family office industry, we really try to provide an independent service to our clients and Yes, we use discretionary mandates because of various reasons, but uh, we kind of try to kind of advise the clients throughout the process, but we're also responsible for the execution, uh, which has a lot of advantages. So we, we take care of negotiating the fees with the custodian banks we work with, where we open accounts for our clients. And um, yeah, the various reasons afterwards that we can touch on, but I think it's super important to understand the, you know, the difference between Doing something on your own means you are responsible for your own, for your own actions. Advising means you have somebody who helps to, you know, kind of to form a decision, but you then in the end always have the final decision. And with a discretionary mandate, it's mostly you define a strategy or you define something a bit more holistically, but then the wealth manager is responsible for executing everything, is respons responsible for you know monitoring the risk and so on. Um, so I would say it's the most luxurious version where you don't need to do a lot. You can do a lot. So there's still clients uh, or families in, in a family office that are very involved when it comes to investing. Uh, but legally speaking, the wealth manager is in charge of mm -hmm. everything. So but basically, you're offering the entire package to your clients. So now my question to you, what are the banks doing wrong if they can't offer it to, to the broader mass of, of clients and just to the very rich ones? But what is the issue? <laughs> How can you resolve an issue which banking isn't actually taking care of? Yeah. So what's the... So I think there are various reasons. Mm -hmm. So and what, what I see the most is that those are huge institutions and if you have a relationship manager in front of you at your bank, in most of the cases, they are obliged to sell a certain product of the bank itself. They are, you know, obliged to sell what the bank has in stock. And um, for most of the clients that come to us, they're not really looking, you know, to speaking to a salesperson, but rather really to somebody independent who advises them because the financial situation can be very complex. Or it could be that you inherit money. It could be that you are divorced. It could be that you, you know, just start your financial, your professional career and want to build up wealth. Um, so therefore, I think banks struggle a bit, especially with smaller clients, as they don't earn a lot of money with a smaller client because most of the banks, they, you know, they charge a management fee um, on, you know, the assets that the client plans to invest. And the smaller the, you know, the size of funds, the less money they make. So they are somehow forced to introduce things where they're able to 
um, you know, just increase the, the the revenue that they can make for the bank. And for larger clients, it makes sense to service them uh, holistically because normally you have a lot amount, you have a huge amount of money, and then if you charge a certain percentage mm. on those assets, then it's interesting. So therefore, kind of exactly what we try to do is. We, you know, try to implement a lot of technology with processes that can be standardized or digitalized um, and are kind of costing a lot of money to traditional providers and kind of then being able to offer access already at, you know, lower amounts of assets. Um, and then it makes sense for us as well because we have a scalable setup with a lot of technology in place. So in the end, we don't have, um, you know, a huge amount of costs with every single client that comes to us. Mm. So basically, there. Are, if I if I summarize it correctly, there is an overhead which is not that big in your case in comparison to banks. So banks they need to make a lot of money to finance all the stuff and and the infrastructure they are having in place. And then secondly, you are claiming that the banks over the banks it's more expensive actually to um, to have a, an infrastructure an IT setup which is really state of the art given. If you do a, a slight adjustment in your IT, then usually it's already a big thing because your entire IT landscape is already kind of tremendous. Yeah, exactly. So I think mm. what we need to add is I think, you know, bank is organized in very different areas or and most of the clients that, you know, have, I don't know, half a million or less are treated as retail clients. Mm. So therefore, the 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 bank is just basically just, you know, differing as well the offering towards the different types of clients. And what we try to do is kind of, we try to break down the costs that banks have, which don't allow them to offer a bit more, you know, interesting investment opportunities mm -hmm. for that, mm -hmm. you know, retail segment theory. Okay. Yeah. Basically more efficient and more transparent when it comes to investment yeah. solution. But I think also the one important point to add here is that, you know, if you go to an external asset manager mm -hmm. or wealth managers, we are, they are independent, so they don't sell any products from other providers. They So we are also paid um, based on the success or based on the development of the funds of our clients. Okay. So we are very well aligned. Nobody earns anything um, at Everon if a client invests to a specific instrument. or It's our interest to that the funds of our, of our clients grow and not that we sell anything. So I think also how employees are paid is also a bit different than... So basically you earn money or you have a performance fee on the assets you're managing in this sense. So in most of the cases, we have a management fee mm -hmm. on the assets and the management. So that means if the assets increase, we earn more. If the assets decrease, we earn less. Um, so it's so there are different, different styles. Also clients where, you know, a performance fee might make sense, but performance fee could also encourage the wealth manager to invest a bit more aggressively. So therefore, um, most of our clients have a standard management fee. Um, which in most of the cases, by the way, I think there was just a very nice article um, published on SRF um, at the weekend about costs when you trade on, the, on your own. I don't know if you, if you no, read the I, I article. Didn't see, no. But it's super interesting because even if you trade on your own, um, in most of the cases, you would pay more than if you go to a wealth manager, and especially now to Everon, because we tried to come up to come up with the pricing structure that is very lean, that is negotiated with the bank directly. And therefore, a wealth manager can also be a benefit cost-wise. Not a lot of people think about it, but it can be a huge, a huge um, advantage. No, I agree with you. In the end, it's it's usually, or what we observe, it's usually that that investors or clients they 
for them it's not either or, it's kind of one part is managed by the bank and maybe one part you want to invest by yourself exactly. because you have certain ideas. And then but what our observation is, and we put a lot of, of effort in this field as well, is it depends a lot or you can optimize a lot when it comes to to execution of trades. But mm-hmm. but but yes, you're right. Sometimes when you have a package then the package it's is better than, yeah. than the individual parts. But I be, hearing you talking, so we, we kind of agree how we see the banking industry, the shortcomings, how things can be improved for investors. But tell me, just out of the box, how would you envision a very modern banking industry? Or how should Zurich or Switzerland, the banking industry in Switzerland, look in the perfect world of today? Mm. Okay, it's, it's a very good question. So I think um, I think they're different topics. So I think towards the end client, I think there are still a lot of providers in the market that have a very standardized, expensive offering where the client has basically no say. So it's basically choose one, two, three, and then you have to choose it and then it's basically discussion uh, finished. So I think there, I think traditional providers have to become a bit more flexible and i think also we see this now in our business that clients want to have a saying when it comes to investing their money they want to understand what is going on they want to have you know an impact as well and saying you know i have a specific focus or specific interest could we implement it what's your opinion on it um because i think in the end it's important that people you know think about how to invest and i think you're doing a very good job here that people are able to inform themselves about investing but in most of the cases we still see that people are afraid of making their own decisions especially with larger um, amounts of money um the second thing in general i think is that banks you know think in different segments and i think this is a very bad thing i understand it just financially wise for the for the traditional providers in the market but we, you know, we experienced now a couple of times with clients that, you know, just uh, invested a bit of money um, and then they were so happy that they, you know, increased the amount um, by 10, 20 times. And if you would go to a bank and say, look, I'm willing to invest 50,000 Swiss francs, the most likely the answer will be, okay, here, one of the solutions, choose one of them. But if you come and say, look, I have 5 million Swiss francs, then they will start to, would you like to have a coffee? Um, can we invite you here and there? So I think this is very, sometimes, you know, players in the industry have a very short-term focus. And um, I believe that this has to change as well a bit. So I think, again, I think involving um, the individual more when it comes to making a decision um, and then also servicing them in a bit more, you know, equally way or of saying mm, everybody, mm. Um, you know, as you would go to a doctor, you, you hope to be treated in a very similar way, um, irrespective of how much you earn or how much you're worth. Um, and this is a bit of what we see has to change in the industry. Mm. And it's very interesting that you're using this comparison to the health industry. You mentioned yeah. at the very beginning your mother is a, is a, is a doctor. Biased, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but you are using this comparison as well a lot because usually if you have something, then you first Google... I mean, what what the issue could be if your elbow is hurting or whatever, then you Google. And the very same should happen in our opinion also in the banking industry or in the finance industry. So if you have an appointment with your with your bank, you, you go prepared, you you use, for example, your mushroom, Everon or whoever to make you smart in order to have a much better discussion with your bank. Exactly. But it's very interesting to hear that you see a future 
financial industry still with banks. So this might quiet many people out there that you believe that we still need banks these days. Why I believe believe we still need banks? Yeah, so I think, again, so I think banks are also doing a a good job. So I think their business is very complex, or so they do a lot of things. And, uh, you know, I think we are in touch with banks every single day. I think even if you use a near bank, they're also a bank. They also have a banking license. And, and I think in the end, it's not really the problem. I think the problem is more when it comes to, you know, additional services that, that banks provide in addition to, you know, payments um, that you always have, you know, if you're not very well informed or very wealthy, you always have, I would say, a certain disadvantage or because you don't have a lot of leverage when you go to a bank. Let's say you would like to buy some, you know, some real estate and then normally when clients approach us, a clients, you know, at Everon ask, you know, I would like to buy this real estate and so on. Can you help me regarding financing? Then if we approach a bank, we have a leverage because we have a lot of clients that are booked at the bank. So we can negotiate the interest rates. But if an individual goes, what's the leverage? Or the leverage is just, okay, I've provided A, B, C. So I need to, I need to you know, find my own way. And if I want to, you know, get a, a loan from a, from a traditional bank I'm currently booked with, it's super difficult. So I think it's more that problem or it's more the problem of maybe a, a misalignment of, of information or of leverage that you might have. Um, and I think, so how we see the future, I think, I think there can be an ecosystem of new providers in the market and traditional. For instance, ever on now, we just, um, you know, we just decided now to partner with UBS as a custodian bank because a lot of clients asked us about it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It's super interesting that they said, yeah, but I know UBS and I would like to have my funds at UBS. Mm-hmm. And in the end, um, we, as, we as a wealth manager, we just want to make sure that our clients have the you know, best conditions at the custodian bank. Um, so therefore, I think there can be, you know, it could be a, a very nice ecosystem um, if we all open up mm. and try to work together. And I think this is, this is a, I think this is happening. So when we started the company, it was very, very difficult to start working with banks. But now it's getting way easier and banks are also approaching us, which is very nice. No, we share this this view on the on the financial industry that it should be an ecosystem, basically a mushroom. That's the reason why yeah. we are called you mushroom, and and also we we believe that the banks they are taking a very important role, and you mentioned it as well when it comes to infrastructure, and this shouldn't be neglected. And of course, there are some, I mean, efficiencies or banks which are not that efficient when it comes to investment advisory or discretionary management especially of the smaller clients. Also, but you mentioned that you collaborate, for example, with UVS for, for, for the custody of, of the investments. That's also what we realize. And that's the reason why we are not a broker, because we rather want people to, to keep their funds or their money with the banks they are already banking these days and basically use an additional service to enhance their situation. Exactly. So I think, I think that's what the external asset manager does, or I think they... They are always working with different banks. They negotiate the fees with them, but in the end, you're not directly in touch with the bank. You're always in touch with the wealth manager, who's your, you know, point of access in case of any question. But kind of the bank provides the infrastructure itself, and I think every bank um, has a bit of, you know, advantages and disadvantages. Mm. So if you go to a very big bank as UBS, then you know they will, you know, allow you certain things that a smaller regional bank will just not or because they don't have the infrastructure in yes. place. And also when we talk about 
you know, foreign clients um, wanting to become clients in Switzerland. You also need a bank that, you know, allows clients from different jurisdictions and so on. And I think, therefore, I don't really see an issue of, you know, collaborating with a yeah, bank. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, one other topic is ESG or sustainable yeah. investing. And usually all banks and even external asset managers, the entire industry is talking about it. But this is a term which didn't jump at me when I looked at your webpage. So <laughs> what's your opinion about sustainable yeah. investing? Yeah, so I think it's a, it's a super, interesting, super interesting topic. Actually, a lot of our clients are investing in a sustainable way. We, you know, I think we are a bit careful when it comes to advertising sustainability because I think there are a lot of providers in the market that try to do greenwashing. And when we have a client that approaches us and says, you know, I want to invest in a very sustainable way or sustainable way, then we normally ask the client, what is sustainability to you? Or because there is not a common sense of what is sustainability in the market. We have, you know, different data providers um, for ESG data and they say different things. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So therefore, we try to kind of implement sustainability uh, whenever possible. So we, by default, um, kind of, you know, exclude certain industries. Um, and we have a certain, you know, process already within our portfolio management. We kind to overweight those companies. But again, I think we always go back to the question of what is sustainability for you. As an example, we had this discussion with one client talking about Nestle. Or, so for somebody, Nestle is a sustainable company, for somebody not. And we just saw that, you know, there's a, a bit of an issue with sustainability, just looking at it, you know, and just saying, you know, I want sustainability because normally a lot of big companies out there in the market, they have sustainability ratings, but they cost something. And smaller companies, most of the cases don't have mm, sustainability mm. ratings. So you're also having a small bias towards large cap companies, you know, the, the blue stocks in this world, and you neglect a lot of those small cap companies that drive a lot of growth and they can also be sustainable. So therefore True. we said uh, we kind of tried to answer those questions within a discussion with a client and not use it as a huge banner on our webpage mm -hmm. to basically use it to advertise our services. It's almost boring on how many points we agree, but that's <laughs> also my experience from banking that when it comes to investing for a pension fund, for them it's very easy because they just pick an, a sustainable benchmark and yeah. they invest according to this benchmark. But they don't question that much what is behind. True. But when an individual is investing, usually every individual, as you mentioned, has a different opinion what's sustainable and what not. And in our view, it goes much more into the direction of investing according to your very personal values instead of yeah. oh, this is good and this is bad exactly. or here I have a rating and here I don't have a rating. Yeah. So that it really an investment makes sense. Um, or is in line with your lifestyle in the end. Yeah. Yeah, I would completely mm. you know, agree on that because I think a lot of clients, something that's also an ethical discussion, you know, is Tesla a sustainable company or not? Yeah. Or the, So there's yeah. so many things and in the end, um, I think it's a very personal topic. And as I said at the beginning, so I think the beauty that we have, you know, every single mandate that we offer at Everon, for sure, we also have, you know, certain investment styles that we offer to our clients, but a, a client can really impact on how the money should be invested. So if we have a client who says, you know, I don't want to invest in those specific companies, it takes us, a, you know, some seconds to exclude them. Um, and, and also kind of we try to invest as directly as possible. So we kind of mostly try to avoid 
funds um, because lack of transparency and so on with the fund itself. Um, and therefore, I think clients have the chance to really see what is in their in their portfolio, which is which is great for us and for the end client. Yeah, but there are plenty of very good asset managers out there, plenty yeah. of boutiques as well. So yeah. I, I think it would be a bit tricky to, <laughs> to call it intransparent. <laughs> I, think in, I think when it comes to sustainability, I think just, you know, it's just our experience. We saw that for a lot of clients, if you have a fund, the fund has a rating again, you know. Then the question is now, you know, which companies are within that fund? Some of the funds don't need to tell you every single position. So therefore, we kind of realized that for most of the clients that are super interested in that topic, they just prefer to be invested directly into the single companies, especially it's more on the equity side, um, because they just have control over what, you know, where the money is invested. Mm. Yeah, I think in the end, it depends as well. How much do you want to uh, how much you have an opinion, how much you really want to True. put into the topic. True. Yeah. <laughs> Again, potentially a solution, including both versions, makes most sense as an investor. Agree, agree, yeah. It was very interesting having you here, hearing your opinions about the financial market, about how banks could improve, <laughs> how we could even further enhance the collaboration or the ecosystem within the financial industry especially here in Switzerland, but also in other European countries. So we spoke about the importance of ecosystems. And in this respect, I also want to mention that Everon and Umashroom, we are collaborating. So you find Everon as well on Umashroom. And if you want to learn even more about Everon, I'm sure they are in good hands on your end as well. Sure. In case anybody has a question or would like to understand a bit more about what we are doing, then reach out to us on our webpage and we're happy to answer all the questions that you might have when it comes to building growth and investing. Super. Thank you very much. Thanks to all of you. If you have any questions, as always, reach out to hello at youmushroom.com. See you next time. Money! What your bank doesn't tell you. A podcast by You Mushroom.